0: a few of these requests that we're praying about this summer. Uh, we're praying that, I know most people, I, in the first service I ask how many people have a, a little vacation planned. Almost everybody raised their hand. They're going away somewhere. And you know, that's a good thing, but it's, a, a, it's also an opportunity for us to take Christ to somebody that just needs a little nudge, a little encouragement. And so that's why we're praying together the first request right up here that our vacation will be a vacation for god uh, that makes everything really so much more worthwhile and that god will use us now we're praying this and you know when, when we pray that the bible says you have not because you ask not god wants to use us in this way so you're, i'm praying that for you you're praying it for me that god would protect our time together with him throughout the summer that's important uh, you know, every now and then, something comes up in my life and I don't get started in the right way spiritually in the morning. I can sense it all day long. There's just a missing piece. And so let's just pray for each other because summer is busy, you know, and we, we're trying to jam everything in. We can get in, especially when the sun shines. Uh, we love that. But let's stay focused. Let's be in our Bible. Let's be studying the Word of God, praying, and especially praying this list together. Uh, If you haven't signed up to be a part of that team, a lot of people have in the church already, please sign this little piece of paper in your bulletin and put it in the offering and uh, join us. And uh, I'm going to be talking to you about this for a couple weeks and then I'll just kind of drop it for a while and we'll just all begin to pray this list and let's see what God's going to do. I noticed there was a sign in one of the offices and I guess they had it up on Friday here that said, The auditorium is open now for prayer from nine o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the afternoon. And we have all these requests that people have turned into the church, you know, a lot of big, heavy issues they're praying about. And they want us to help them in prayer. And so we're gonna have those available. You can come in at your convenience. Let's say you're driving down the road and you're going somewhere and you say, okay, I I have 15 minutes or I have 10 minutes. Drive up here on the hill, park your car come into the auditorium, and pick up some of these requests, and let's pray together, okay? Let's use this opportunity. Let's not, let's not have it slip by. I think it'll be com- more convenient for us to do this uh, from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Just pop in, and, uh, and we'll do that. Uh, we're getting ready to go to Ecuador, and we're also getting ready for vacation Bible school. So uh, you see, there's a little note in the courier about w- what we need to go to Ecuador: children's clothing. I, I noticed it said gently used children's clothing, and uh, also some suitcases. I know that if your basement is like ours, we have a few old suitcases down there that we haven't used in eons. And uh, and so what we're going to do is everybody's going to take an extra suitcase full of children's clothing or things that uh, the people can use in Ecuador. We're gonna leave all, of course, the stuff behind, also the suitcase. So if you bring your suitcase in here, you won't see it again, but uh, they'll enjoy that in Ecuador. So please take note of that. One other thing. Uh, Thursday, we have a special group coming to the church. Um, They're coming all the way from Kansas. They're on a tour and uh, they have a musical presentation. And so I want to encourage you Thursday night, to just come out and enjoy what they have for us. You know, they've come in a long way to be here in our area. I'm sure there'll be a, I think they're in churches every night and we're just a stop along the schedule, but let's encourage them. They're young people, they're trying to serve the Lord and uh, so let's come out and just uh, enjoy what they have to offer, okay? Let's stand together please this morning and we'll receive our morning offering together. We thank you so much each week for your faithfulness to the Lord and giving. Uh, and that's one of the items that we're praying about this summer, that God will keep our, our financial structure of the church very strong. And I'll tell you what, I think we have good news to tell you. Just in a couple weeks, our, our financial year ends. I think it's the end of June. And so we'll have, it goes from 1st of July, I think, to 1st of July. And I think that the God has really blessed our church financially this year. And so uh, I'm kind of anxious to give that report. And so whatever you do today will help that report. Okay. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for uh, providing a means of income for us, Lord. You, you put food on our table. Uh, you put uh, milk in the refrigerator. Uh, you do all these things for us, Lord. You provide our needs And now we come to the church to provide your needs, Lord. The ministry, we want it to go on and we want it to go on strong. Uh, We want to bring people to you, Lord. And so we pray now that as we receive the gifts of your people, that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be. today, please, to the book of Ruth. In the Old Testament, the book of Ruth. It's uh, right after the uh, book of Judges and right in front of the book of 1 Samuel. So I give you three kind of uh, places to go. Book of Ruth, chapter 1. You know, it's always nice in the summer to see visitors coming through the area and visiting the church. Uh, In our first service, uh, we had a couple families all the way from Tucson, Arizona. And it was interesting, uh, they came with a friend that I've been inviting to church for a long, long time, or they knew of me through just in the community and they've never been here before. And so they had visitors coming in and they said, why don't we just all go up to the church today? So they had a whole row of people uh, from uh, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, Karen Juskowitz's brother was here in the first service, and uh, he drove across the state of Pennsylvania, I think it was this morning, on his dune buggy or something. He said, he said he left at 5 o'clock in the morning. And he does this quite often on his motorcycle. And I keep trying to talk sense to him, but it doesn't work. So you tell Karen to work him over. But anyway, uh, it's it's nice to have visitors from all around. and. Uh, even though they're away from their home, they're uh, they're enjoying the church, they're enjoying fellowship, they're enjoying your friendship. In the book of Ruth, chapter 1, I'd like to talk to you about starting life over today. You know, maybe you're here today, and maybe you've done that a, a time or two. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, some people have to do it a number of times. But here we find the story of two people Naomi and Ruth, who have to start their life over again. It didn't go the way they thought it was going to go, and so they had to start again. So, verse number one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell or to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons, uh, the name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. Ephrathites. Does that name look familiar to you? Uh, in Christmas time, we remember we always bring out that passage in Micah chapter five, verse two, that says, "Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me a ruler who is to be in Israel." Uh, Ephrath was the ancient name of Bethlehem and so they called people at this particular time Ephrathites and so that's just another name for those who live in Bethlehem and they went to the country of Moab and remained there I think there is a a difference between his original attention which was given in verse number 1 to go to Moab he wanted to go there temporarily to avoid the famine but he ended up staying there an awful long time his family did then elimelech Naomi's husband died and she was left and her two sons now this is something that families don't plan for you know we all live for 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 each other, and we all believe that we're going to, in our heart, live forever. And when somebody in the family passes away, it's such a devastating effect upon us. And so here Elimelech takes Naomi, the the two boys, moves away, and he ups and dies on them. In addition to that, in verse number 4, Now, they took wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Life went on after Elimelech died. His two boys got married. Then both Malon and Kilion also died. Now, this is, it's kind of hard to understand, really. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. She um, arose with her daughter-in-laws and she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. She started her life over again. Boy, this story is written time and time again. People start out with the best intentions of life and all of a sudden things happen that they never dreamed could ever happen to them. It always happens to write to someone else. But it happened to them. And, uh, and now she says, I, my, uh, my husband is gone. My boys are gone. And uh, I have left my son's wives. Look at verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard the country of Moab had the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread or rain. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Naomi said, listen, why don't you just go back, stay here in your your environment, because I want you to get remarried, and I want you to have a life of your own. Don't come with me. I think the best thing for you is to stay right here in Moab. And look at what happened in verse 10. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. So here we have Orpah and Ruth, and they say, no, 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 Naomi, we're not staying here in Moab. We want to go with you. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Look down in verse number 13. Would you wait for them till they are grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me to find much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. It's interesting that Naomi here is, is saying... That whatever's happened to me, the loss of my husband, the loss of my two sons, is from God. That's what she said. The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She's not bitter against God. She's just stating a fact. That's all. That God is operative in her life. And these results are a result of God. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to to her people and to her what? Her gods. Return after your sister-in-law, but Ruth said, and here we find uh, this tremendous statement that you've heard many, many times at wedding ceremonies, and we'll, we'll come back to that a little later. In verse number 19, now the two of them went, Orpah went back, Ruth said, listen, I'm sticking with you, Naomi. The two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? They looked at Naomi and they said, listen, I know you. Have you ever ever met somebody that you haven't seen in a long time and you wonder whether it's really them or not? I have people meet me like that, and they said, is that you, Pastor Arnold? <laughs> and what, he, what they're saying is like, you don't look like you used to look. And I'll say, is that you? That's what they were saying to her right there. We haven't seen you in a long time. And you know, when you live a, when you live a rugged life, it, it, tell, it, it, has, it tells a toll, it takes a toll on your life and you, you, sometimes you hear people say, Boy, that person's had a hard life. They really look like it. You know, it's like they, We use the word weathered. They haven't weathered the storm very well. Well, I think that's what the reference is right here. They looked at Naomi and they said, Is that you? Okay. Uh, and she says, um, Look at verse 20. But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Marah. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now, she is not bitter against God. She is just stating a fact that the events that took place in her life, she credits to God. She said, I went out full. She did. And the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the is her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley season. There are two books in the Bible that are named after women, Ruth and Esther. I read that Benjamin Franklin was the United States ambassador to France. And occasionally, in France, he attended the Infidels Club. That was a group that spent most of their time searching for and reading literary masterpieces. On one occasion, Franklin read the book of Ruth to the club when it was gathered together, but changed the names in it so that they would not recognize it was a book in the Bible. That wouldn't be appropriate, would it, in the Infidels Club? Uh, When he finished, they were unanimous in their praise. They said it was one of the most beautiful short stories they'd ever heard, and they demanded that he tell them where he had run across such a remarkable literary masterpiece. It was his great delight to tell them that it was from the Bible, which they professed to regard with scorn and derision, and in which they felt there was nothing good. Well, you know, the book of Ruth is certainly a literary masterpiece according to almost everybody that I've read about It's a beautiful story of romance. Now, we're not going to get much into that today. That's later in the book. But uh, the book opens right here when the times are tough. And if you'll look to me to the last verse in the book of Judges, that's next door, the last verse in the book of Judges, I want to show you something. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. You know, when the judges ruled, it was about 400 years, a time period, and uh, it was a bad time. At least four times in the book of Judges it makes this statement, everyone did that which was right in its own eyes. In other words, everyone did their own thing. And you know what happens when everyone does their own thing? It's, nothing good happens when everyone does their own thing. Proverbs 14.12 says this. Let's, let's read it together. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You run into people all the time. They're saying, listen, I'm just doing my own thing. I chart my, I make up my own rules. I just do what I want to do. That's not good. The Bible says... If you live like that, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is the way of death. It's not good. And so in the middle of this decadent culture, the book of Judges, is the story of Ruth. And so when you're reading the book of Judges, what the, what the writer did is he, he gave us this snippet of life out of the time period of the book of Judges. Do you know life goes on no matter how bad life is around us? It just goes on. People fall in love, they get married, they have children, they plant gardens. They all want a house or an apartment with a white picket fence, of course. They make a living, somehow they scratch for a living. They take care of their aged parents. Let me say that again. Just dropping a hint. They take care of their aged parents as part of life. But life goes on, no matter how bad it is. You know, when we look at the news, when we look at the news today, we think, well, how could life get any worse than it is now? And then the headlines of the next day, what happens? It gets worse. And we say, how could it ever be worse? And the next day it gets worse. But life just keeps going on. It just keeps happening all the time. This is the story of Ruth. It starts out with a famine in Bethlehem. Now Bethlehem as you know the meaning of the word Bethlehem means house of bread city of David but uh, bread is scarce right here famine was a sign that something was uh, else was happening especially because it was related to the nation of Israel Uh Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 13 through 17 I'm going to I'm just going to read it for you And you try to follow along because it has some powerful information about what's happening in Bethlehem at this time of my Bible reading. Okay, here we go. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. Where does rain come from? It comes from God. And God says, if you love me with all your heart, I'll make it rain. And you know, everything comes from rain. Jim Watts and I were standing on the front porch of the church a couple days ago, and the rain was coming down real slow, you know. And we were commenting, I'll bet the farmers around here just thanking God, man. That's the kind of rain they want, nice and slow, doesn't run off, goes down into the ground. God says, listen, if you love me, I'll make it rain. And then look what happened. Take heed to yourself, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. Rain is a blessing from God. You can't get any, that's, it's wrapped up, life is wrapped up in rain. And the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord has given you. He says, if you love me, I'll make it rain. If you don't, I'm shutting the faucet off. No rain. So, there's a famine in Bethlehem. What's happening? God shut the rain off. Crops couldn't grow. And so Elimelech, he decides, listen, I've got to get out of here. I can't feed my family. The meaning of Elimelech's name is God is king. The meaning of Naomi's name is pleasant. Now, this is, a, this is a pretty neat thing right here because every woman would like to have a man that says, listen, God is my king. Wouldn't you, ladies? Sure you would. You would love to have a man that says, listen, God is first in my life, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. And every man would like to have a woman like Naomi who is pleasant, amen? amen, yeah. I mean, what an arrangement, huh? How, you can't get any better than that. You know, God is king and she's pleasant. Wow, we got it together. And so this, this family, they had it together, they really did. But he decides he's going to leave the land of Israel and move to Moab. Now, Moab was south, east, right across, east from the Dead Sea. It was a perennial enemy of Israel. Actually, God cursed Moab. When we used to take mission trips to Haiti, the pastors down there always told us, listen, we believe God has cursed Haiti. And the reason why we believe that God has cursed Haiti is because of the witchcraft in Haiti. Well, God did curse Moab, but Elimelech took his wife Naomi by the hand and he says, listen, we're out of here. And there's pretty good evidence that this was not the right move for them because when Ruth and Naomi came back, the people were glad to see them. And they hadn't gone when Elimelech left. They stayed. They stuck it through. So original, his original intention was just to go to Moab for a short period of time, but it turned into a long time. Life didn't get easier, which he thought it would. It got harder. Now we all wish that life could be easier, amen? <laughs> we wish it could. But sometimes it gets harder. And so, uh, and so Naomi is saying, listen, I know what's going on here. The move that we made was in the wrong direction. We left the land of Israel. And my sons, now follow me here, my sons married women of Moab who worshipped other gods, Now, their primary god in Moab was a character named Chemosh, and in that particular line of thinking, they would offer their children as sacrifices to this god. It was a wicked, wicked thing. And so this is why Naomi said, hey, listen, we went out of the land we weren't supposed to go. Our sons married the women of the land who worship other gods, strike one, strike two, and then there were the funerals. Uh, you know, one funeral is bad enough, but three. And then uh, she decided to do something. After all of these things happened to her, she turned her eyes back home. In verse six, look at it, please. Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Now, remember, Moab is this cursed place. And she says, she said in effect, "I'm getting out of here." I'm getting out of here. All I have in this place is bad memories. My husband died. My boys died. This place is wicked. They offer their children as sacrifices. I'm getting out of here. Uh, For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. And so she begins to make farewells with her daughters-in-law. And they said, listen, we've decided both to go with you. And so they struggled with that for a while. Now, I'm sure that it was a little bit hard for her to leave because she'd been there 10 years. And, you know, when you're any place 10 years, you have some roots down. Uh, but uh, there was this instinct in her heart that made her want to go home. And, you know, when you have trouble and your, your life blows up, you want to go home. I can't tell you how many people I know that have, called up their mother and dad and said, Mom, that room you got upstairs is still there? <laughs> How about two rooms upstairs? <laughs> How about a room above the garage? <laughs> Anything. I want to come home. My life exploded. That was the instinct that we have inside of us to come home. She had that. She said, I'm going home. But she not only had a natural instinct to go back to the land of Israel, she had a spiritual instinct too because she missed the God of the land and the land of her God because she was living in this ungodly place. And she said, you know, I miss that. I want to go back to my God. And so here we find this story and we have these three widows as they start out together. And in verse number 8 and verse number 9, Naomi actually speaks affectionately of the Lord. She's not bitter against God. Uh, And she uses the word rest for marriage. Look at verse number nine. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of your husband. It was very unsettling at that time to be a widow. No one could care for you. It was hard to make a way. And she said, if you get remarried, uh, it'll be restful for you. That was almost a synonym of marriage. And so um, she acknowledged the Lord's control over her life. And so here we find three people. They're headed up to the land of Israel, but one of them decides not to go, and that's Orpah. She turned back. She followed the advice of Naomi. And look at verse 15. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Now, this was a spiritual decision right here. Uh, She's gone back to her gods. Now, you know, we uh, sometimes look at situations like that and scratch our head. Why do people turn back when they're going in the the right direction? Sometimes two people will make the very same commitment under the same circumstances. They're confronted with the same truth. They're, con- they're going to make a commitment to Christ, but one of their commitments is not as deep as the other. It's emotional. It's uh, stirred for the mo- They're stirred up for the moment. It's superficial, I guess we could say. Sometimes people look at Christ for what they can get out of him, kind of like a genie in a, a jar. They rub the jar and Jesus comes out for them. And, and uh, after a while, when they have to start living their faith and their faith gets hard... And using their faith, they decide, you know, I don't want to walk this way anymore. I can't go on any longer. And that's what happened to Orpah here. Uh, she said, you know, I think it's going to be too hard for me. I think I'm just going to stay here. She turned back to her own people and to her own gods because her commitment that she intended to do was superficial. You know, to follow the Lord all of your life, you have to have a pretty strong commitment, don't you? Say amen. I mean, that's, that's a commitment. I mean, that's the that's the long journey. Anybody can start out quickly, like, woo, out of the chute. it's like, wow, look at them. Uh, the real winners, though, finish the race. They're the real winners. Well, I think the reason why these two daughters-in-law wanted to follow Naomi home because her life was an attraction, she was the real thing. I think she was caught in a bad situation. And, you know... A lot of people get caught in bad situations and their destiny is not controlled by them. It might be a husband, it might be a wife, it might be a situation, it might be a family, but it's out of their control. I think that's what Ruth was, or Naomi was facing. But then after it all exploded and she lost her husband and her sons, she, she exhibited her faith and the faith of Ruth is the next point. She headed home. You know, when one person turns to God, uh, others will come with them. So here's Ruth. She says, I'm going back to God of the land and the land of my God. And Ruth says, okay, I'm coming with you. It kind of reminds me of Acts 16.31. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household. I love that. I love that. That means when a person makes a commitment to the Lord, there is a real strong chance that the kids and the grandkids and the cousins will come to Christ too. If somebody will stand up and follow Jesus in an, in an authentic way, and that's what she did. Even though she was a victim of her circumstances, and probably would have left Moab a long time ago, but she didn't get to make that decision, Now she's making the decision and Ruth is going with her. Uh, And the Bible says, and now we're going to go to that part that I promised in verse 16. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Now this you hear at weddings. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Young couples like to go and to lodge. They do. And so they make that promise, I'll go where you go, I'll lodge where you lodge, your people will be my people, your God will be what? My God. Where you die, I'll die, and there I will be buried. That's that's what love and marriage is about. And the Lord do so to me, and more also if anything but death apart you from me. So uh, here they go. Ruth is making this commitment to Naomi. She's not only changing her address, she's changing her God. Uh, she's changing gods. But she, she had another motive, too, to go with Naomi. And you know what it was? To take care of Naomi. Uh, Bible scholars tell us that Naomi is about 50 years of age at this time. And back in that time, the lifespan was short. And so it would be hard for her to make a living. It would be hard for her to carry for herself. And so Ruth stands up and says, Listen, I'll go with you, and in effect, I'll be your caregiver. Uh, You know, I I have more and more respect every year for people who are caregivers. A caregiver is somebody that watches over somebody that can't watch over themselves. I run into them all the time anymore. Husbands who are taking care of their wives year after year, year after year, year after year, and wives who are taking care of their husbands year after year after year, and and actually surrendering their life to that proposition. Uh, I'll tell you what, they're the real heroes. They really are. They're the people that work with your mom or your dad when you're unable to do that, and go into their room and bring a little sunshine there, And, uh, and you're home, and they're there doing the hard stuff they're doing the hard stuff boy I salute those people I think in I was just thinking about this I think in heaven the Lord's gonna say all you caregivers come over here all you caregivers all you people that love people who couldn't help themselves as often as you've done it unto one of these the least my children you've done it unto me I think God's gonna say You've got the nicest place in town. You've got the nicest place in town. Well, I think that Ruth wanted to care for Naomi. I really do. I think she was looking out for her. Uh, but Naomi's relationship with God made a big impact on Ruth. And I'll tell you the reason why is because she was real. She was real. And, and I think that that's the biggest lesson, one of the biggest lessons that we can learn from the book of Ruth, that you've got to be real. If you're raising kids in your family, and you're, and you, what you say doesn't live up to what you do, you're not real, you're phony, and and they can't wait to get out of your house and not live the life that you're talking about. But if you're living something real, and you have a real strong commitment to christ and even though they may not want to go with the program right now there is this verse of scripture in the bible that goes like this train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old what he will not depart from it that's if you're real i think naomi was real i really do uh, kids know the difference between real and phony do you know that can i have an amen they know the difference uh, they know what goes on when the door shuts and and all of that. Well, 10 years of Naomi's compromise compromise never made Ruth confess her allegiance to God. But when Naomi Naomi said, I'm going back to God of Israel, uh, Ruth says, count me in. And so they made together this long walk uphill. It was uphill, really. Seven to 10 days, 60 to 75 miles, and they went back to the God of the land and the land of God. And uh, her time away from God had been bitter. She was like a prodigal son. She was the prodigal daughter coming back home. Uh, she didn't credit what happened to her as a string of bad luck. She recognized God's working in her life. She came back, I think, repentant and honest. Uh, there was a big change taking place here, a turning point in her life. God's hand had been against her according to our testimony, But now God's hand would go out for her when she returned. You know, when you go in the wrong direction, you get the wrong result. When you go in the right direction, you get the right result. And Naomi said, listen, I have lived in this despicable place long enough. I'm going back to God, my God. And so you know what happened? Whenever she moved away and went down to Moab, God turned the blessings off on her family. Now, she's headed back to God. Guess what happens in the book of Ruth? The blessings. The next few chapters will like blow you away. First of all, when she went away from God, His hand went out against her. Now his hand will go for her. And now with every step back in the right direction, God says, okay, I'll bless you. Naomi and Ruth are going to be blessed tremendously because they decided to start their life over again with God. That's the story. When you go and follow the Lord, you're always going in the right direction. That's a great place to go, amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, maybe you're here today and maybe through a series of circumstances you've been, you checked out of the promised land. Uh, You were walking with God and then all of a sudden you just kind of like you were preoccupied. You uh, you just put him on the shelf. And things haven't been going good for you. And you know that you're spiritually off base. And you're not deep down in your heart even happy with that. Well, let me encourage you today to head back that road. Head back to God. Uh, head back to the place that you can stay in your home and say, listen you may not like my convictions, but I'm gonna be real. I'm not a phony. I, maybe you've been in the past, but you know, you can stop that and you can, you can change your ways. And uh, the best life is always produced by a person who says, listen, I won't be a phony, I'll be for real. And uh, I think your kids will respect you more. And uh, I think other people around you will respect you more and you'll respect yourself more if you're for real. And so big things began to started to take place now in the next few chapters of the book of Ruth because she headed home. And I want to encourage you today, head home, okay? Stop living in Moab. Get out of there. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word, the Bible. It's so relevant. It's so up-to-date. It's so piercing to our soul because even though these people have different names than we, have, we have the same lives that they have. I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to to go home today if we've been away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song. And as we sing this song together today, if you'd like to come and pray about anything that's going on in your life or the life of a friend, just feel free to come as we sing.
1: All is stripped away and I simply